Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Comfortable Change. My name is Danny. I'm your host. And today I'm super excited because we're joined by Nate, who has been working a lot on nonviolent communication and has his own yoga studio and podcast himself. So uh, welcome, Nate. Yeah, thanks for having me, Danny. And uh, yeah, really excited to be on today. Yeah. Did I forget anything? I was I was kind of thinking of those two things mainly, but yeah. Well, my studio is all online, so I don't have a, a physical space, but I have a, an online yoga studio, and uh, I teach yoga, qigong, um, uh, nonviolent communication has kind of been my recent passion. So it's um, it's it's a system that's really kind of changed my life, and and it's kind of found its way into my coaching work, and I, I do one on one coaching or couples or families and stuff as well, and. Um, and like you said, the podcast kind of came about as a way of um, exploring how we can, you know, how I can sh- give people a kind of a fly on the wall view of like, what do we do in a coaching session? And how do we use these tools to work through people's challenges? That's been a really fun project lately. That's so cool. Um, um, <laughs> so in regards to, I think we just spoke a little bit about this earlier is in regards to like change and, you know, the current sort of world we live in, we've got a lot of comforts and uh, like conveniences at our disposal for, for most of us in the, what we might call the Western world. And I think you started to talk a little bit about uh, how that, how the nonviolent communication was uh, yeah. incorporated or how that, how that was related. And I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love and, to hear uh, more if about you're, it. Uh, absolutely. And if you're, I don't know if people will be seeing this on video, but there's a cat, butt in the, right in your face right about now. So <laughs> my, my cat Malouz is trying to get some attention. Um, so yeah, I think that, that concept of, um, like comfort and convenience as I, as I kind of heard the, um, the idea you had about addressing that topic, um, you know, I'm looking through this frame of nonviolent communication. And, and one thing I like about that is they talk about how we get in touch with our underlying needs and, um, <clears throat> and then think about um, what are the different strategies and the ways that we go about meeting those needs. And so as you um, were talking about this, this idea that in the West in particular, like I guess in the U.S., we're um, very much focused on comfort and convenience and kind of instant gratification. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like a, um, a moving target, right? Because it's almost an endless cycle. As soon as we, they call it hedonic adaptation, you know, as soon as you get something like, uh, an air conditioner and, you know, you're like, you're really hot and you get an air conditioner and you're like, Oh, finally I'm cool. And then like, seven days later, you're like, yeah, it's kind of noisy though. Like I wish it was quieter, you know, <laughs> and then like, you know, on and on. And then like, right, yeah, right. it kind of, kind of jacked up my electricity bill. I wish it was, you know, uh, cheaper. And I think that's in some ways like totally natural. I think the universe is kind of set up to always expand. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where we're going to be like, okay, all done. We're, I'm all completely happy. And now I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, in some way, I think that, that growth and that, pursuit of um meeting our own needs uh is, is really healthy and natural um but i guess what i'm what i think your point was about that is that we may meet 
particular needs and give up other ones by doing so. So for instance, like the convenience of um, like ordering food on Grubhub, you may lose out on some of the social connection that you get from going to a restaurant and engaging with the waiter and, you know, sitting down with friends and, and all that stuff that comes along with it. We might be sacrificing those needs in order to meet the need of, um, you know, that, that convenience. Absolutely. And I was thinking about that earlier today too, about, you know, I, you hear a lot of people talk about, Oh, I don't want to work in like a toxic work environment and, uh, just similar, similar, similar sentiments. And I agree some, something that's like toxic or really bad, uh, culturally at work or in any circumstances, you got to be careful with that. But, um, I think sometimes having, being in a social situation, like having maybe some challenging coworkers or where there's a dissonance in, in personality types, uh, can actually be a chance to improve your social skills. So rather than trying to like feel comfortable just by working at home and avoiding people, um, yeah, it might be more comfortable and maybe you save on like commute time and gas money and what have you. But uh, I think there's also something to be said for like going in, out into the world and talking to people and having those opportunities to, to sort of grow and build mm -hmm. skills. Yeah. Well, I've gone through that myself because with the, um, when the pandemic hit kind of 2020, all my in-person classes kind of evaporated and, um, and a lot of my students were reaching out and asking me to do something online. And at first I thought, oh, this isn't really going to go anywhere. And it's been now like almost four years. Um, and, and it's actually been amazing in so many ways because I've been able to connect with students all across the country, people I, I had lost touch with, you kind of reconnected with. Um, we've been, you know, I've, I've really loved in a lot of ways being able to work from home. Uh, I, I have a two-year-old daughter who kind of was born during the pandemic. So I've been able to, you know, teach a class and then just go like turn around and go play with her for 20 minutes and then go do my next class. And, um, in a lot of ways that's been a blessing. Although I am, as you said, realizing that I'm giving up other things by doing that. Um, and I am starting to like really crave that in-person connection again and, the experience and sometimes yeah i'll go like a whole day i'm like i haven't even gone outside today <laughs> Holy <shit. laughs> and i'm like I, and then i'll go walk outside and it's funny like my eyes will even like adjust like i've been just looking at a screen or like indoors for so long that i'm like all of a sudden my eyes are like wow i'm like looking far away at something and my eyes are like trying to like stretch you know and um and then yeah just like even just going to the store and just being around people fulfills something really essential as a human so yeah i think there's 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 no such thing as like good or bad necessarily. I think it's all relative, but, um, but yeah, it's seeing how like this has served me in so many ways, but also has come at the expense of a lot of things too. And um, yeah, I'm kind of working on finding that balance right now. Yeah. I think, I think we all are. Cause I've, I've been going through a career change myself actually. And so a lot of this year I've been inside a lot more than I, I have before. So same thing. Uh, some days I won't mm. even get out of the house or mm -hmm. sometimes I'll have to make myself go out to, to, you know, go to the gym or just go around the corner to get a snack at the CVS or something. Right. Just, but same thing. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, there's a whole world out here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My eyes work differently outside. Well, especially like I think both of us share that um, experience, like working in a yoga studio where like literally not only do I see, you know, 50 to 100 people a day, but like our culture there was like to give everybody a hug when they walk in the door. 
And there's like such a deep connection with the students that come in and you know about, you know, their family and a lot of them you've known for years. And it was something I really missed, like leaving that environment was, um, you know, that sense of real connection and community um, that I just kind of took for granted. And then, you know, having to build that in other areas and other ways um, since then has been really interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been able to bring some of that same community feeling and depth to your work now? I hope so. Um, I mean, just today I was teaching a class. I do a class for the AARP. I tend, I tend to work with older adults, you know, folks in their 60s and 70s, kind of as my, my, uh, my crew. And, uh, and so the AARP uh, offered me a class and, and uh, I've been really enjoying that. And just today we did a, a Qigong for grief and sadness and it was really beautiful. We were able to, you know, do movements and exercises to kind of process grief and, and a lot of this, you know, the pain that's going on in the world today, but of course everybody's personal life has certain things that are sad and difficult. And um, after the class, you know, people were sharing really honestly and vulnerably and openly about some really personal stuff to, you know, this, the ARP has been, marketing this to you know a couple hundred people so it's a pretty big class and and um it was really touching to see how open people are and, and able to share and how much we're craving that community even when it's remote you kind of do get a sense like your feeling of just being heard being seen even if it's through a computer actually does fulfill something really powerful yeah absolutely that's so beautiful that you're able to to create that and hold that space for people and um i guess it's making me think too about how for a lot of people just acknowledging their own emotions is so difficult. Like that's a, a big change that I see going on in society in general. Like everyone's talking about things like anxiety and going to their therapist or even, mm-hmm. you know, going to yoga or whatever it is to, to process their emotions now. So um, that's so cool that you have like mm-hmm. that space to. Yeah. To well, people. absolutely. And, and just give people permission. Like that's, that's kind of an interesting thing about, our role, you know, as, as a teacher or a facilitator of a group or a class is we're kind of just giving people permission to do something, you know, and it's, it's amazing how that, like one of my teachers called like a permission slip, like you just give them permission slip. Okay. You can cry or you can talk about this or you can move your body like this. And it's like, Oh, I would never have, have shaken my body or tapped my body or done this weird stuff, but you've given me permission and we're all doing it. So now I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, the contact, the, the, the normalizing of the emotional experience was new to me, you know, and, uh, I wasn't really raised with like, uh, you know, that permission, you know, to really tap into or express or explore my own emotions very well. And that's one thing nonviolent communication really helped me with too, is like establishing a vocabulary. They call it like a literacy of feelings and needs to be able to like name them. So like, this is what I'm feeling. I have a name for it. And this is connected to this need that I have. And um, that's been extremely helpful because I found that it's really easy to get stuck into a story, to focus on who's wrong, you know, what's wrong, who's to blame, judgment and criticism always um, are hiding our own feelings and needs. And to me, nonviolent communication has really helped me with that process to translate whenever I'm judging something or someone to recognize I just have a need that I'm trying to fulfill, but my focus is on the outside. And so it's unlikely I'll really meet that until I can turn my attention inwards. 
That's, I feel like that's something everybody needs is like an, an education mm. in, non, in nonviolent communication. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because when people hear that word and when I first heard it, I thought, uh, ah, that's not, that's not really for me. I'm not, I thought it was for like domestic violence. You know, it's like, I'm not violent. Um, but the idea is that judgment itself, criticism, you know, blame are kind of micro acts of violence. Like they actually hurt and, um, degrade relationships. And, um, and so they, whether it's physical violence or just, you know, the, the way we speak or think to ourselves or talk to ourselves, you know, or each other, um, can be extremely violent. So yeah, this, this, this concept in yoga is called ahimsa, you know, nonviolence. And so I always kind of had that value. Like I value nonviolence, but I guess I never had the tools to say, okay, well, what do I do when I'm having a violent or a destructive thought or a critical thought or a judgment? Okay. Do I just say oh, that's bad? I shouldn't do it. You know, and then I judge myself for judging myself you know, and get into right. that spiral, <laughs> um, you know, and then, you know, become the judgment police that doesn't work. So yeah, this, this has given me a lot of tools to, to kind of translate and process in a more effective way. So my next, my question for you now is, cause I'm thinking of an example. I know a couple of people who, you know, have, I think good intentions ultimately, but they'll sort of, if, if they're very, if they have strong opinions to begin with or strong personalities to begin with, you could be hanging out with someone and they'll say something like, oh, well, that movie sucks. I don't know why you watch mm. it. You know, it's like that judgment you were talking about, but yeah. they might not mean it towards you, but they're just very like emphatically expressing their opinion. Is there, mm. from your studies, is there something you would suggest to help uh, people better relate to someone who says that or to help that person kind of see how their actions and words are affecting the people around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good example in terms of I think we can all relate to that, right? Um, cuz cuz you're right, like we impact each other even if we're not directing it at um at that person, but you're just kind of like in the room um somebody there was this meme going around where they're like emotions are like farts. Like, you know, <laughs> like you you let the emotion out and then everybody has to deal with it, you know, <laughs> something like that. And I was I was kind of, you know, it was kind of funny to, that just made me think of that, that we, we often, yeah, don't realize the impact we're having. So in terms of like, um, a strategy for like, what do you do when like your roommate is, is like really railing on something? It could be a movie. It could be a political stance. It could be anything. It could be about me or it could be about them or about whatever. But the fact is they're in a deeply like kind of triggered and like emotional state, um, through nonviolent communication, through some of the other practices I've learned, um, I found it's almost more helpful to know what not to do <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, what to avoid, because generally, like, I know my first instincts, I've, I've learned to really, um, to, to really, uh, hold back on, on my first instincts, which is, um, there's, there's actually 10 non-empathic responses. And so we want to start with the premise that when somebody is expressing strong feelings, what they're generally asking for is empathy. They're basically saying, I want you to know how I feel. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And so, but the problem is that generally because they aren't in touch with their own feelings and needs, they're focused on the thing that's got them all angry. 
they can't ask for exactly what they're needing and they aren't expressing what they're feeling. And so it's all this big haze that you then have to kind of work really hard to actually translate on their behalf. So starting with that premise that everybody is in need of empathy and understanding. And as soon as that little flag goes up in my brain, I say, okay, we're not talking about the movie anymore. Uh, We're not talking about the war anymore. We're not talking about your mom anymore. We're talking about your feelings and your needs right now. And so to make that mental shift and then, and, and then to just work on reflection is probably the 80% of the, the coaching skills that I use when I'm working with people who are dealing with tough stuff. And it's basically just giving a name to it, trying to draw their attention to the feelings and underlying needs or values that they have. So it's like, man, that pissed you off. Like, oh, you hated that movie. <laughs> or like <laughs> something, something really bothered you about that. Tell me more. And then you just kind of like invite them in. And so what I try to avoid though is is the non-empathic responses, which are a few of them are shutting them down, like denying their feelings, saying like, oh, come on, you're overreacting or, you know, you don't really have any right to feel that way or, you know, you're way off base with that. Um, Giving advice never works. Um, You know, if you just kind of thought about this differently, you know, you could take a deep breath right now. Let's calm down and then let's try again. Advice doesn't work. Um, consoling, sympathizing doesn't work. Educating them doesn't work. Basically, just avoiding all of my natural tendencies when I see somebody <laughs> <laughs> triggered, um, wow. and and kind of putting on um, what they call the giraffe ears, which is this the mascot of NVC, the land animal with the biggest hearts and the broadest perspective. You know, to kind of look beyond what they're saying and to feel beneath what they're expressing, and then try to get to the heart of that. That's really the the main strategy. And like, try and just say, I think you said, tell me more was the the words you used. And that's just kind of as a way to get them to hopefully express more. Yeah. And, and, and if they, and again, they, that may not be enough because we might need to take some guesses also, because they may not have that literacy of feelings and needs or recognizing how important that is. If they want to have a connection that, that what they're doing may actually be disconnecting them from you that event, like you might be doing NVC, but you're feeling like, well, this person shut up. I can't wait till they're done talking. I need to get out of here. You know, right, like, right. we don't want that to be happening. We don't want them, this to be some technique we do to just like make them stop talking. <laughs> you know, we were genuinely interested in making an empathic connection and understanding. And so, um, yeah, we, we, we reflect, but also we guide toward and take guesses at like, huh, what's the feeling here? Anger, sadness, hurt. Um, what's the need? Are they needing respect? Is it support? And so having a literacy of needs is really helpful because I almost have this kind of mental list in my head where I'm running through it. And I'm like, okay, mm, is it that? Oh, is it that? And then once you hit it, it's like ding, 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 ding. And all of a sudden this magical thing happens where you feel the empathic connection. It's like all of a sudden their shoulders relax. They take a deep breath. They kind of let put down the weapons and the armor. And all of a sudden now you're having this beautiful moment where You've come into contact with something that's really important to them. And all of a sudden the relationship is strengthened and there's a bond and there's a, there's a genuine like human experience happening, which um, that's kind of the treasure of NBC that we're uncovering. That's it's so cool that this is like so organized in your brain. Like I can feel the, the <laughs> clarity and like the passion for it. It's so inspiring. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I love it. 
Yeah, because I, I know I knew for myself too, like in that type of situation, if if they're talking about a movie, for example, uh, for going back to that example, like sometimes if it's something they're expressing like a distaste for and I'm like, oh, well, I like that movie. Why are you putting it down? Like, that's yeah. also not helpful. Like it's you're trying to get somewhere, but it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's so 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 true, right? And and that's and that's so um, difficult because then what happens is like so then then they go back and then they double down, right? And then you double down, you know. And then all of a sudden it's like you're having a fight, you know? <laughs> and and then both of you are pissed. And um, yeah, I've been there. I, I do that too. And um, and so yeah, it, it takes a very deliberate effort. And often I'll I'll do that exactly what you said, and I'll kind of respond with my own needs and my own thoughts because all of a sudden now I'm. I'm needing understanding here. Like, Hey, I thought this was beautiful. Like you're not understanding me, you know? (laughs) And then these other needs start to play in. And now the conversation has suddenly like expanded, but we haven't realized it. It wasn't just a need about beauty or, or preference, but now it's a need to understand each other. That's now playing out in how we're feeling. And so um, that recognition and, also, you're you're absolutely right. Like there is a point where we do want that understanding, and maybe um, in NVC they talk about it's a whole lot easier to get empathy and understanding after you've given it. And so, as somebody who has access to these tools, we often are burdened with the responsibility of then giving before we receive. And so, to to know that if I can give some empathy, some understanding, to this person, there will be a point in this conversation, or maybe soon, where I can say, hey. You know, I think I've gotten to the point where, you know, I, I hear where you're coming from and would you be willing to hear, you know, how I, how I felt about that too? Cause I, I saw it very differently. And in that moment, after they've received the understanding, they're generally a whole lot more open to now hear what you have to say. And we end up both kind of winning in the end. Yeah. I've, it's so interesting. I, I always, I guess I phrase that often as someone's got to be first. Cause I've noticed that in mm. this kind of like discussion that we're talking about. And um, the other big place I've noticed it the most is in teaching. So I've taught, you know, mm. yoga, we both used to work in the same yoga company. Uh, mm-hmm. I taught ballroom dance for a while. Uh, mm. But one of the big things I learned from that is, you know, people will also offer, not also, people will often come in with some form of stress or anxiety, depending mm. on what they're there to learn. Um, so it doesn't really allow them the the opportunity to truly take in what they've come to learn because their mind is so focused on the stress of like, how am I going to look? Am I doing it right? Oh my God, what do I do? Um, yeah, it's like as the teacher, you kind of have to be the first person to like, I guess my strategy at least is, is to be a little bit like ridiculous or a little silly. You got (laughs) to kind of match the Uh, person's personality or the, the people that are there just kind of read the room. Like, Okay, mm. well, if I act like if I allow myself to be vulnerable, maybe it would be a better yeah. <laughs> better way of saying that. Uh, yeah. If you show some vulnerability first, then like the other person will start to let their guard down, and that there's like that back and forth. Oh, I love that, and and yeah, to that to your point earlier about how kind of mental health is starting to come into our collective consciousness a whole lot more. I think that is also something I'm seeing converge here, and. Um, Nonviolent communication came out of psychology. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg is the founder of it. He was a clinical psychologist. And so he kind of came at this through humanistic psychology and, and looking at the brain through words and language and trauma and that whole thing. And he didn't have any tools or experience with the somatic, the body, the felt sense um, 
of people's experiences. And I have a friend uh, here in Eugene who's a therapist, and he's um, starting to work on this, combining his therapy and mental health work with movement practices. And I think a lot of people are starting to tune into this. And that was really cool too, because I came into NBC from a movement perspective. You know, my background, our background was in yoga and kind of somatic experiences and, um, and, and, and that mind-body connection. And so one of the things that I think I can contribute to the NVC, you know, movement is um, movement, you know, so <laughs> that, uh, you know, to your point, like often I'll work with somebody and, and like you said, like they might be feeling so much stress or irritation. And we all have experienced that when we're kind of physiologically triggered, we don't really have access to our higher order thinking. We can't think of a list of needs and feelings. We're just like, F you, you know, it's just like, um, it's, you know, our amygdala has been hijacked and, uh, we, we have to pay a ransom to get it back. So physiological soothing. Um, yeah. And, and leaning on the physiological state of a teacher or a friend, somebody else who's calm, who's demonstrating vulnerability, who's just kind of distracting us, who's able to um, lead us for a little while is so, so valuable. Yeah, I think that's for sure something that's coming into or becoming more popular, I'm going to say. It's like, yeah, those somatic practices. And I think more and more people are realizing, or maybe this is just my hope, but I think I think it's becoming people are realizing that they need a, a mentor of some kind mm. or, or at least temporarily, like you said, like a guide or someone to kind of show them what to do or how to do it, whether it's a therapist or like a movement practitioner in, in yoga or you know, any, mm-hmm. any of these different forms or. Yeah. That's such a beautiful relationship the, the teacher student relationship, the mentor mentee. Um, I've been really lucky and blessed to have had some very impactful, wise mentors who, who helped me in so many ways. And I consider a lot of people like Rosenberg, who I've never met, who's dead uh, to be a mentor. You know, when I listen to his podcast, you know, or his recordings or see his tapes and lectures, you know, I feel that same kind of love and respect and connection that I have with a lot of my teachers. And um, that is so critical. So yeah, seeking out mentors, seeking out teachers, people you respect, people you want to emulate. Um, that is that is a huge part, I think, to leading to the pain and the and the disconnect that so many of us are feeling these days. Yeah. And I, I know there's I forget who said it. It might be several people who say this, but they, there is some saying that goes like surround yourself with the people who have already achieved what you want to achieve or who are already embodying what you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's another saying I like, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I love and like, fear that one. I know. Right. <laughs> but it's, but it's, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pointing to that fact that, yeah, we're influenced by the people around us and, um, you know, the best parts and the parts that, uh, that, that don't empower us. Um, yeah. So, so it's consciously seeking out those, spending a little more time with them can make a big difference for us. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's probably a whole conversation to be had around that too. Like, how do you find the right mentor? How do you, you know, mm. gracefully surround yourself with the right people and let go of, of the people who maybe you are starting to realize are pulling you down or you're allowing them to pull you down kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so true. I love that. There's there's that old saying, 
when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm. And I love that because that's kind of how it's always been for me is, is I've just been like, just putting that out to the universe, just saying like, I want a teacher. I want a mentor. I want somebody I can look up to. I want somebody I respect in my life. Just like that call, I really believe puts out that attraction and, and, and it will come. And on the converse, I think there's also another really important perspective on this that I like to say to my students and I train teachers also. And I say the teacher, uh, is when the teacher is ready, the students appear. And I think this is another thing is that we often put mentors up on this pedestal and we forget the fact that we can all be a mentor and that we actually may be ignoring the calling to be a mentor for somebody else. Maybe we don't respect our own skills as, as much because they're normal to us, but to somebody else, it's so valuable, right? And um, I think that may be an important role to take if we say maybe there's a lack of mentors out there. Maybe there's a lack of people leadership. Maybe we turn that around and say, can I be a leader to somebody at the same time? And so that just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Thank you for bringing that idea out. Because, yeah, I'm I'm the same. You know, I think that... um, I'm feeling that calling and, and, um, you know, I think it goes both ways, right? Like we're all a mentor and we're all a mentee to somebody. And and I think if we're lacking both sides of that, maybe that's part of the imbalance we're feeling, right? Yeah, totally. Well, and that reminds me too of like the, the power of choice. Like once you decide, okay, I want to change something about mm. my life needs to change, whether that's like, okay. And then once you decide what it is, maybe that's when the mentor shows up when there's some like powerful emotion behind it and like really true desire to change. But that Mm. can also, like you said, be the moment when you decide, no, I want to be a leader of something. I'm really passionate about teaching, you know, goat farming or, you know, whatever your passion is. I I don't know anything about Mm -hmm. goats, so. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And it's true. And it's almost like some of it is like a conscious choice. And for me though, it's, some of it also is very mysterious and kind of like, you know, mystical and unconscious. Um, and, and, and that was kind of interesting. Like, like I said before, what I've, my students tend to be older than me, like in their sixties and seventies, that wasn't a choice. Like I didn't say, I'm going to work with these people. It was just, these are the people that kept coming back and kept finding value in what I had to offer. And more and more, I started to realize it's like, yeah, like we're kind of thinking about the same things. Like I'm not really interested in teaching handstands and like, you know, crazy poses like people in their 20s and now 30s, you know, um, as you know, what my own needs might be. I'm interested in self-realization and in finding peace and in finding more awareness. And that seems to be kind of what attracts the student is like who we are. And so I think there's, there's something to be said for kind of just looking at who's showing up just naturally, right? Like every time you drive by a goat farm and you're like, ah, like there's something there, you know? Like, yeah, goats <laughs> are calling for some reason, you know? Who knows why? <laughs> right. But it's like, you got to, you know, explore it. And, um, and you know, same thing. Um, like the, the uh, you know, the students will come to us and they'll start asking us for something. People will just say, Danny, like, you're so, you know, can you tell me about this? Like, I really love it about that, you know, and, and you're like, oh, it's nothing. And then enough people do it. And you're like, hmm, maybe I have something to share here, you know? 
um, you know, looking for that, that kind of subtle, those clues and hints maybe, maybe helpful. Yeah, for sure. And there's definitely something mystical about it. Absolutely. Cause I, I noticed that too, in, in different situations, like, uh, I taught dance after I taught yoga, but, uh, I had the opportunity to, we did like these special classes, maybe two, three times a year. So they weren't very often, but, uh, everyone, all the teachers had an opportunity to teach like a group class of something that mm. wasn't necessarily dance related, but, oh, cool. but, but yeah, just, you know, something. Uh, so I decided to, to teach, you know, yoga and mindfulness and as mine. Mm. And that was what like people would come up to me and like, there was a ton of people that showed up for it, which I was really surprised by because I had no idea what to expect. But mm. after that, people just kept coming up to me being like, when are you going to do that again? When are you guys going to have yeah. like a yoga, yoga for dance <laughs> class again? And I was like, I don't yeah. know. It's beyond my control. But uh, it was, yeah, it was really interesting to see how that, because same thing, a lot of the students were older than me. So I was I'm just like, yeah. I'm just here to. Oh my God. I love that. And, and, and I've really learned to actually surrender to that, um, to that idea because in the past I would spend a lot of time and energy kind of like planning classes or workshops or retreats. And I'd be like, Oh, this will be so cool. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And sometimes it worked, but sometimes it wouldn't. And, and it was just this total crapshoot. And then I started to just finally realize like students would start asking like, Hey, can you do a class on this? Or, hey, I really liked when you did that. I'm like, Hmm, what if I just listened to what they asked for and just did that? <laughs> so, what a concept. Right. Listening. Oh my God. Actually, that's, that's something interesting too. Cause I think I used to do the same thing for sure mm. in, in teaching classes, but then you just kind of learn to go with the flow. And um, I'm actually mm. taking an improv class now. Oh, I just I started it. it about a month ago, but that's the piece I'm, I'm sort of mm. unlearning and relearning is because it's totally different in improv. We have to really be on your toes and be like in the present moment, but mm. you also have to be noticing like what's getting a laugh. And there's something to yeah. like bringing that bit back. Like I think three is uh -huh. they say the magic number of times for that, but. Uh, oh, cool. I love that. Yeah. 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 Improv yeah. is so fun. I, I haven't done it like kind of properly, but I love, I love, you know, improvising and messing around and I love that the, the state of creativity and just that presence. I mean, what a presence practice to just be open to like anything. Right. Yeah. And a vulnerability practice. There's, mm. I think there's like 20 of us in my class. It's a pretty big class, but uh, it's all ages. So it's, it's just all of us like, you're just really exposing yourself because whatever comes mm -hmm. to your mind is what comes out. Like there is no wrong, but sometimes yeah. it's funny. Sometimes it's not, you know, it's, it's just, right. uh, we're all beginners. So. <laughs> yeah. But then when you catch that kind of invisible thread of like, I don't know why this is funny, but we're all laughing, you know? Right. Right. And, uh, it's like this discovery. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how I feel often when I teach, like I have, like you said, I'm very much kind of go with the flow. Like I have a, an understanding of the overall intention. Like I want people to come out of class feeling amazing. I want them to feel strong and flexible and present and happy and complete. But then like how they get, how we get there, there really is this kind of invisible conversation happening. And it's crazy. I didn't think this would happen online, but it really does. Even in like a zoom class, I feel the students and I can feel how many there are. I can feel when they're focused, when they're distracted, like, and I'm drawing upon their intentions. It's like that invisible force, like 
they're asking for something. I don't know what it is. And, and, but if I'm kind of empty and clear, it's like a satellite dish. You can kind of pick up on those frequencies and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of talking about some concept. And then at the end of class, they're like, that was just what I needed to hear. Or this just happened to me the other day. And you're, you know, that's such a beautiful state of mind that we co-create in both situations. Totally. That's so cool. I actually was, I'm really glad you shared that because I, I've always wondered that about like teaching online classes. That's something I haven't done mm. uh, yet it's on my list, but uh, that's really cool mm-hmm. to know that you can, you can still like feel the, feel the vibes as it were. And, Absolutely. Like, yeah. Connect. I was very surprised. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, there's, there's something to be said for being in a room together, you know, it's not going to replace that. But, um, but yeah, you got to kind of stretch your spiritual muscles a little to maintain that connection across time <laughs> and distance and <laughs> through technology. Right. But, you know, that's what's cool about consciousness, right? Like consciousness is, is expressing itself through our language, you know, and through our, the colors we put on our body. And, you know, it's all just consciousness connecting, right? If you really want to step back. So what's just one more obstacle? Consciousness can, can certainly make it through that. Yeah, certain. That's just so cool. I love talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Um, but it's, that actually just reminded me of something you said, I think at the very beginning of this conversation about how we're, we're always, you know, growing or going to be wanting more in some way or another, there's always this expansion mm-hmm. and, and that we'll, we'll never not be doing nothing exactly. But that, that triggered this thought in me about how like AI artificial intelligence is like making its way into our culture more and more. And some of it's really helpful, but some of it, you know, maybe not so much. Um, And I, I hear, I think people like Elon Musk and some of these other people talk about AI as like, Oh, soon no one will need to work and everyone will just Mm. be able to have money and relax. And I'm like, I, I don't, I wish y'all could see my face right now because <laughs> I'm still trying to process it. Yeah. I mean, okay. Say we get to that point, then what will everyone do? You know, mm. where do we expand from there or will the human mind just try to keep creating more drama or mm. will it go in a different direction where we create like more peace and just spend time together in like this happier place? Like what kind of change will we be making alongside these like technological changes? Mm-hmm. I love that question and that concept. And I'm reminded of a, a quote by another billionaire, um, uh, Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon. And he was talking about, um, people were asking him, you know, what's the future going to be like? You know, you got such a perspective, you know, what's going to be different in 10 years from now? And he actually responded in an interesting way. He said, I don't think about that. He says, I think about what will be the same in 10 years. What will never change? What will people always want. They're always going to want good customer service. They're always going to want reliable products. You know, like that was kind of the philosophy around, you know, how he built Amazon and to some degree. Um, and so what's been really calming and reassuring for me is to have this groundedness in human needs and to understand that they will never change. We're always going to want support. We're always going to want safety. We're always going to want respect. We're always going to want self-expression. We're always going to want intimacy. We're always going to want connection. Um, and for folks that want to get access to this, there's actually a list from the nonviolent communication um, teachers that have put together a list. I don't know how many, maybe 80, you know, 70 human needs. Um, 
and it's called basic needs we all have. And of course, that's debatable. If they're all really universal, but for the most part, they really are. And um, I can, um, you know, have a link to your listeners to download this if they're interested in in exploring it because I find it so helpful to to connect to in these times of like uncertainty and change to say like, yeah, no matter now or in a thousand years, I think human beings are going to want all these things. We're just going to have different strategies of going about it. Cause even today it's like, we have all these conveniences in our house, but yet we still really enjoy like going backpacking for a week and just living out of a bag and having nothing for a little while, <laughs> or we still get value from fasting. You know, we get value from, all kinds of challenges that we just set up for ourselves because we love it. So yeah, I'm not too worried that we're going to just be blobs with tubes stuck in our brain and just like living in jars, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there'll be that too. You know, there will be folks who get, who get sucked into virtual reality and can't come out and there's going to be problems of course. But um, with every expansion, I think things expand in all directions. So I think we're going to have a counterbalance to everything. Um, I'm really I'm really confident in that. And um, that's always been the case as far as we've looked back. So I suspect it'll be the same looking forward. Yeah, I love that. And then, and that's actually too, making me think of, uh, you know, I think a lot of times when people feel like sick or they have some kind of, particularly with like physical illness, people will like search on WebMD, like, oh my God, what do I have? And like freak themselves out and then just Mm. ultimately go to see a doctor in person anyway, or on telehealth at least, but talking to a, a real human being, I think will always be mm. a need we have, whether we yeah. put ourselves out there or not. Um, that's a just mm-hmm. kind of like generic example. But I think there's there's a difference between, you know, trying to just talk to even, okay, so this is my favorite example. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of customer service now is just all those automated yeah. voices, like press one if, da, 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 and press two if you want this other option. But I, I mean, and sometimes that's totally useful, streamlines it, great. But other times you're like, I just want to talk to a human being. <laughs> like, I will be nice to oh you. I God. will support you. I will respect yeah. that you have a difficult job, but I want to talk to a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will still exist in, in different ways too, just like the need to have a, a genuine conversation. And I don't know if that'll ever reach that with like, you know, robots and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree with that. And yeah, there's certainly like, um, you know, the idea is robots will take away work that's repetitive, boring, and dangerous. And yeah, I think there's a real value in that, but, but I don't think anybody wants to automate away true human connection and intimacy and, you know, collaboration. Um, so yeah, hopefully the robots, you know, support our needs as humans instead <laughs> right. of supplanting them. <laughs> right. But, hopefully uh, we can work together. Mm-hmm. Allies. Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes from the, the awareness of what our needs are and recognizing when we are giving them up because I found myself, you know, I might be scrolling through TikTok or, you know, Instagram and it's all of a sudden I'm like, gosh, I'm on here too long. And the needs I was getting of stimulation or connection or creativity or discovery have suddenly now kind of um, been, you know, uh, supplanted by now I'm actually lacking a need for real connection or exercise or fresh air or something else. And so recognizing even the technology we already use, if, if we have, if we're grounded in a, an awareness of our own needs, we don't necessarily have to just say this is good or bad, but to navigate our relationship with a little more skill and more tools to do so. Um, I think that could be a really helpful thing as technology takes a bigger role in our life. 
totally. Well, and I think too, if um, like I think you mentioned about exercise or going for a walk, there's a lot of those, I'm going to call them tools that are out there now. I don't know how effective they are, but those, you know, uh, bands you wrap around your waist that try and like give you a six pack by like vibrating your abs <laughs> or something. <laughs> Shocking you. Yeah. Right, right. And... There's just like all these different kinds uh-huh. of things that claim to like exercise your body for you. But I don't think anything will replace mm. like the true... I mean, for me, it's a very refreshing feeling, like moving your body yourself, not having yeah. it like be moved for you. There's something that really changes in your brain. There's a feeling you can't get any other way but than by moving your own body. Yeah. Oh, preach. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know yeah. you know this because this is what you I do. hear you. <laughs> no, I love to hear it, though. I mean, it's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um. I know we have to wrap up, but was there anything else you wanted to add about the nonviolent communication or the um, like the yoga practices that you do and everything online? And also, if there's any social media or websites that you want uh, to have people check out, I will make sure that they're yeah. included on the oh, podcast. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. Right now, what I'm really excited about is, as you can tell, nonviolent communication is is really lighting me up. And um, I have a podcast that uh, I do coaching calls with people. So folks that want some free coaching, all you got to do is just be vulnerable and get to put yourself out there and you get some free coaching out of the deal. Um, We talk about whatever you want and I'll apply the tools as they're fit. Um, And I do a group class with that as well. So folks who want to like study it a little bit more, we read the book, we, um, have a group that meets every Monday and we go through it chapter by chapter. That's going to be starting actually, um, you know, whenever you're listening to this, it'll be ongoing. So just reach out. Um, yeah, I've got uh, my YouTube channel has a lot of, um, my Qigong work and that's kind of that somatic, that embodied practice that, that I'm really excited about too. I also developed a system called bow yoga, which is yoga with a bow staff. Um, really ideal for older adults who like a little support and a little bit of assistance with balance and, posture and alignment so yeah i got a ton of stuff going on you can um reach out and um yeah let's stay in touch i'd love that awesome okay so i'll be sure to like link all those things for you guys out there if you're listening to this um it'll either be on the website or in the caption or on uh you can always find uh, an um, comfortable change i have instagram for this podcast right now but that's kind of it so i also just changed mm-hmm. the the handle for that to layers of change um mm. Not totally nice. why, but just kind of it's so that's if you're looking for it on Instagram, it's layers of change now. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Danny. This was so fun to talk with you. I just love how our conversation um, you know, takes us in all these new directions. I hope it's been valuable for the listeners too. Yeah, same. Thank you so much for being on here. And um yeah. And if you're out there, be sure to subscribe rate and review if you have a minute that really helps out the channel spread the good news all that good stuff and have a great day or night or morning whenever you're listening to this (laughs) thank you okay oh okay oh